Welcome to the Take Uncommon Action Podcast. I am your host, Brady Oakey from Brady Oak Fitness, founder of Tua, a training brand and fitness community focused on standing out from the crowd and taking action in our daily lives. Roll the intro. Welcome back, guys, to another episode of the Tua Cast, the Take Uncommon Action Podcast. Brady here, your host. It's been a while, but I'm extremely excited for this episode. We got we got a, a few things I'm going to talk about in this episode that I think you're really going to like. For starters, I'm going to give you guys a huge update. We're going to talk about things, major things that have changed within the company, Tua. We're going to talk about our new coaches. We're going to talk about summer shredding recap, um, how we did as a team. We're going to talk about you know my current offseason, how that's going. Uh, we're also going to answer a lot of questions that I received on Instagram. I think I looked through some of them anyway. I'm still getting some that are coming in right now, but I think you're really going to like the questions asked and that I get to answer. I'm excited to answer them for you guys. Uh, and also, just a little epiphany I've had recently. This is kind of more on the philosophical side, but I've had an epiphany and I want to share that with you because that's what this podcast is all about, right? Just, you know, taking uncommon action, how to be uncommon, uh, you know, in fitness and life and everything really. So excited to dive down deep into this one. First off, I got to tell you a funny story. This happened about 10 minutes ago. <laughs> um, Maddie was letting in Daisy, our dog. For those who don't know, we have a Bernadoodle. She's almost two years old. And uh, she has been obsessed with lizards recently because it's summertime here in Arizona. And the lizards are coming out everywhere, man. And they're getting big. I'll tell you what, I don't remember them being big uh, like this year compared to last year. But these lizards are getting pretty big. And she was chasing around a lizard outside, as she does. She's never actually caught one. They're very fast, but she loves looking for them, the bushes, and, you know, whatever keeps her happy, I guess. So <laughs> Maddie was letting Daisy in, and a lizard started to run inside. Maddie acted as quickly as she could, but <laughs> essentially... It got stuck in the door like it was closed on the lizard. The lizard was still alive, still doing well, but it was half inside, half outside. Maddie started screaming. I go downstairs and I'm like, okay, how are we going to capture this lizard? And it seems really simple, right? You just got to open up the door and push it outside. So that's what I tried to do. These lizards, however, are so fast. So the moment I gave it any sort of wiggle room at all in the door, it sprinted inside. I don't know how it happened. It just, it literally happened so fast in the blink of an eye. The lizard is inside the house now and we're scrambling to, you know, trap it in a corner, which we did successfully. But it was behind uh, like this table thing, so we couldn't just like get to it. And mind you, this thing's freaking huge. So I, like, I'll be honest, I don't want to touch it. Maddie's not going to touch it. We don't know if it's like poisonous. I, we don't know. It's just this weird striped giant lizard that is in the corner of our house. Anyway, long story short, we created this long like tunnel pathway. I, I wish you guys could see this, honestly. Maybe I'll put it up on my Instagram story. But um it, I don't know, long story short, we captured it in a cup and then we threw it outside and it was it was insane. But that just happened. So, man, my adrenaline is peaked and uh, yeah, it's, it's going to be a good one. So let's dive straight into this. Um, it is about four weeks, four, four and a half weeks post summer shredding. That's probably why I haven't done a podcast episode in a while. Um, and with the podcast, you know, I'm not I'm not doing podcasts to the point where like I have to do two a week or anything crazy like that. I kind of just do it uh, when I see when I see it is necessary, when I got to get some stuff, you know, off my chest or uh, update everyone, how everything's going, stuff like that. And now is just the perfect time because so much has happened since then. Um, but yeah, I, I was pretty busy. So I didn't want to do a podcast episode until I could throw just a ton of exciting stuff your way. But we did great as a team. Summer shredding was awesome. Um, Dalton, who I believe is the last episode, if you listen to the very last episode we posted, is the episode with Dalton. If you don't know, Dalton lost uh, about 330 pounds. I was able to help him the last like four or five months of his journey, something like that, um, to help him get extremely shredded for the stage. And it's just been an honor to be able to work with Dalton. But Dalton did go ahead and win the overall, which is really exciting because that is the first team to 
Tua overall that we have. So congratulations to Dalton. He obviously worked extremely hard to get to where he is today, and he deserves all the things that are, you know, um, all the the opportunities that are popping up in his life right now, different sponsorships and his, you know, following is exploding and things like that. It's very exciting time. So congrats to Dalton. The rest of the team also did very good. Um, I was a little bummed this year that they they just made the classes so big. So a few of my guys, pretty much all of my guys, were in these massive classes. We're talking like 24 guys. And um, it's kind of frustrating because you sometimes feel like they're not really giving everyone as much attention as they could because the class is literally just so big. But um, I'm not complaining about like, you know, the little things like that or whatever. I don't really care. Um, my guys did great. They looked their best and it was many of them. It was their first show ever. So it was just a really exciting time all around and they did great. I'm, I'm just happy. Uh, we're already 12 weeks out from the next summer shredding now, which is insane to think about. But, um, in October team two is going to show up again. Right now we have about 10 guys and it's just going to be an awesome squad. So be on the lookout. We have about three veterans on the team right now that are competing in October, namely Andre, Jake, and Nate. And then the rest are uh, pretty much first-time competitors. So super excited for that. But uh, something else really excited happened literally like a week after Summer Shredding, and that is we expanded the Tua fam, the Tua team, as far as our coaches go. So I am obviously still, you know, like the the founder and the head coach, but I decided that it was time to expand and bring on two new coaches. So Spencer Oldham and Devin Effinger are now officially coaches on Tua. Uh, what that means, because I, I think there was some confusion right in the beginning, that means that they now can coach clients uh, within Tua. So when clients come to Tua wanting a coach, they can choose between me, Spencer, or Devin now. We're not sharing clients per se, so I think that was one of the confusions. It's not, it's not like I'm like I'm like dishing my clients off so that I, I don't even know, to be honest. So like Spencer does the, the programming and then Devin does the nutrition or something like that. That's not how this is. Uh, you're still going to get 100% full attention from your coach that you choose. If you aren't sure who you want to work with, that's fine. We'll take a look at your coaching inquiry and basically go from there and decide which coach would be the best fit for you. Um, these guys are awesome. This, this was a long decision. Um, I made over many, many months. I wanted to pick the right people for the job, and I believe fullheartedly that I did choose the right people for the job. Uh, to talk to talk a little bit about them, I guess Spencer. Obviously, he was like my number one um, client in bodybuilding. He's my first bodybuilder ever. I had been new into coaching people online, and I recruited Spencer. I basically got him into bodybuilding. I told him one day, like, "Hey, you're gonna do bodybuilding now." He said, "Okay," and the, it's been it's been a great time ever since. Uh, we've been working together for like four and a half years, and so for that and many other reasons, he's a very hardworking guy. He has the ability to inspire tons and tons of people. Um, but he is the right man for the job. So he is now to a coach. And then Devin, him and I go back about a year, we well, a little more than a year now, we competed against each other at the summer shredding classic in June 2021. Um, I kind of noticed right away that him and I had a lot in common, I feel like we kind of just clicked kind of vibe. Um, and that's coming very apparent nowadays too, because we're talking a lot more obviously, and we become closer friends. I just see a lot of similarities between us. He is younger than me. He's about five years younger than me. And I thought that was perfect too, because I wanted someone that was younger, able to maybe even, um, reach out and, and attract a new crowd into the company. I wanted someone that had similar fire and energy that I have though, which he does, and someone that is very ambitious, similar to myself, which he is. So Devin, he's gonna be an awesome coach. He's already crushing it right now. I am teaching both of these guys in what I would consider the Tua method, the Tua way of training. So when people come to Tua, they can expect a very high quality training uh, program and nutrition, and it's all a bit, it has some continuity to it. It's not like, you know, one coach is going to do things extremely different than the other coaches. That being said, everyone does have their own personality. So you should always kind of like, you know, choose the coach that you vibe with the best, but you are going to get sound principles, 
within training that I would consider, like I called the Tua method of training. Um, so this is an exciting time, man. I mean, Tua is now um, about a year and a half years old, <laughs> and we've already expanded now. So now we have three coaches. We have, you know, a branding and, and content guy. We have a couple of you know, like designers, videographers, whatever it is. It's just crazy to see the team expanding in this way. And all of this so that we can reach and impact more people. You know, that is my one and only focus right now within the brand. I myself, I get to do what I love. I love coaching people, love helping people, and I love growing this brand as well. So I'm ecstatic at how things are going. We're able to provide just such high quality coaching and something I think that separates our company from everyone else is, you know, not only are we, you know, like science and evidence based, not only are we all certified personal trainers, which I think the industry lacks nowadays, um, but we also just we're different. We really do stand out from the crowd and what we have, we're able to really empower individuals to help them become their best selves. Um, and that's purely based on our culture that we're building. Our culture is so special, something that you're not going to find anywhere else. And people are taking note to it. So to everyone, uh, whether you're a client, whether you're just a supporter because you like my Instagram posts or the Tua posts or listen to this podcast, whatever it is, thank you so much for being a part of our little community we got going on here. And I'll tell you what, it's not going to be too little for too long. This thing is growing pretty rapidly, and I'm so, so, so excited. We do have more launches coming soon. Um, if it's anything I've learned, I'm not going to talk too much about this one unless someone asks in the, in the Instagram Q and I guess, but, uh, we do have launches coming soon. The next one is probably going to be within the next three weeks, I would think. And then after that, we have another one that'll probably be a month or so later. Um, this is stuff that I've been working on for a very long time. These designs have been in my head for, uh, upwards of six plus months now. And it's unfortunate because, you know, if anyone has their own company or whatever, you're going to learn very quickly that what can go wrong will go wrong. And when it comes to designers and working with so many different people, like there's just always something that goes wrong. <laughs> I'll tell you, okay, I'm going to tell you guys one of the things that went wrong and just know this is literally just one of probably seven different things that went wrong while trying to get this launch. I was supposed to do this launch um, three weeks ago. We were going to do this launch and I don't even have any of the stuff yet. So that's just how far behind we are. But basically, uh, I reached out. I found a new printer. They are legit. I know people that literally worked there. Um, legit company, great company. They did a certain type of printing that I really needed um, without going into too many boring details. But essentially, I put in my order, paid my, you know, about $1,000 for uh, one of the items that I wanted. And never heard from them again. <laughs> About seven or eight, maybe even nine weeks went by before I, you know, obviously I've been trying to contact them. Emails, several emails to two different people within the company, calls, um, voice messages, messages over Instagram that were getting left unread, all that stuff. And I finally had to go to my bank and file for fraud. So hopefully I get that money back. <laughs> I don't know if I'm going to yet. I'll find out in the next month whether I get that money back. But that's just like one thing, guys. One small drop in the big ocean of everything that just always, always, always goes wrong. It is crazy. You you always think that it's just like, okay, I'm just going to create a design and print out some t-shirts and boom, we're good to go. And like, that's not what happens <laughs> in all reality. It's just so many stupid things go on. But that being said, it's going to be well worth the wait because these designs we're coming out with are so sick and I feel like it just reflects the culture and what we're trying to build here so, so well. So anyway, guys, stay tuned. Um, stuff is happening. A couple of other things, guys. So I, I know everyone usually wants like a little off-season update. I'll give you that. And then also I'm going to talk about our plans for the fall because Maddie and I are moving again. Ooh, where are we moving to? Let's let's dive deep into that. But first, off-season update. So I am sitting between 214 and 217 pounds right now. I did get, I, I hit 217 probably like two weeks ago, and then I kind of dropped to 214 um, because sometimes I don't eat enough <laughs> or whatever. So I'm kind of sitting in that range right now. But this is, regardless, the biggest I've ever been in my entire life. It is crazy what's going on right now. And I'm officially one year as of... Um, as of about 10 days ago, I hit my one-year mark of being in the off-season. So I get asked a lot, when is your next show, Brady? And to be honest, 
after talking to my coach, the earliest I will compete based on what he thinks is, is good. The earliest I will compete is the end of next year. I would think probably in the ballpark of November because there's shows here in, in Arizona in November. Um, I'd have to re get nationally qualified because I'm not using my national qualification this year um, because I'm not <laughs> and it expires after that end of the that year so it expires this year I'd have to re-get nationally qualified next year and then if that goes well I would like to think that I would start competing at national level shows and see where I stand up on on the national stage try to get a pro card so it really comes down to whether we think we're ready next year I'd have to start prep probably in the springtime if I wanted to compete at the end of next year and at some point between now and then, we'll have a real discussion about whether we think it's a viable option, whether it's worth it. In my head, like I, I seriously don't care about showing up and and doing okay. I, I'm I have zero interest in prepping, showing up to a you know a, a local show, and getting first or second in my class again, and then that be it. Like I I'm not interested in that whatsoever. I already did that. I don't care about doing that again. The next time I compete, I want to dominate. And um, obviously you can't always like, you can't always decide that, right? But I want to have a physique that can dominate. Um, so the next time I compete, I do want to win the overall. If I don't win the overall, the guy who does win the overall better be a freaking phenom who goes and gets his pro card and and wins the overall at a national show. Like I'm telling you, I'm coming to win. So uh, if if I'm not quite there yet, then I just won't compete. I'll wait until at that point it'd be the middle of 2024, which is so, so, so insane to think about. But essentially that means I might still have 18 more months of packing on size before starting a prep. Um, I've grown so much in the past 12 months. So to think that I would still have another 18 months is um, insane. And I just want to point out too, like a little life lesson, I guess, but I'm definitely the, the, the type in the past that would really struggle with these numbers I'm throwing out here saying stuff like, oh, you know, 12 month off season, 18 month off season, <laughs> 24 month off season. I, I guess in this case, I'm even, I'm even throwing out a, a, what a 30 month off season. Those are insane numbers to me. I, I think in the past I would have such awful patience that Anything over six months is pretty hard. 12, 12 months is like kind of max how long I would be willing to wait for something. Um, but guys, I mean, this kind of goes into the philosophy and the little um, epiphany I had that I'm going to dive a lot more into at the end of this podcast. But in order to be great at something, sometimes you got to put aside, you know, your weaknesses, your ego. My ego right now tells me I want to compete. My weaknesses right now tell me I want to compete right now. I need to put that aside if I want to be great and stand out and being, being uncommon, you know, and taking uncommon action for me right now means quit being a wuss, bro. Like be in the off season, grow. You want to be great grow. That's my weakness right now. So I got to overcome that. And I mean, honestly I am cause I'm 12 months in and, and I'm still going strong. I'm, I'm just as focused, just as motivated now as I have ever been. Uh, I might not be as vocal about it on Instagram and stuff like that because it is kind of different when you're not on prep, you know, I don't have anything exciting happening in three months. And <laughs> when it comes to bodybuilding, I, I, I'm not preparing for a special date that is, you know, in six weeks or something like that, but I am just as focused, just as motivated. My training sessions are phenomenal. I, I want to say the last week or two have potentially been some of the best training sessions of my entire life. Um, and that's with being a year in the off season when most guys would just like lose interest or lose focus or whatever it is. That's not me. I'm fully focused and fully here just for everything. So, um, man, I'm pumped. And, and the other thing, <laughs> and now, now to talk about something completely opposite to bodybuilding, uh, in a sense, but Maddie and I are moving. So basically we live in the house right now we've been renting and our rent, our, our lease ends in like four, five weeks, I think five weeks right now. 
and we decide that we're not going to resign. Um, and instead we're going to do some traveling, which is something we've wanted to do since 2020. I think I'm going to give a little bit more details in my new and upcoming YouTube video that I'll probably post around the same time as this podcast within, within a day or, or two. Um, so more details there on my YouTube channel, Brady Oak fitness, but essentially we have been wanting to travel the world and, and be kind of more like, you know, digital nomads uh, since 2019, 2020. And we were going to do this in 2020. We had plans to go to Hong Kong. We we're going to spend um, a month or two or three months there. Then, then we we're going to go to Bali for one or two, three months and just kind of travel the world essentially. The thing is, it's because of our jobs as online coaches, we can do what we do from anywhere. All we need is Wi-Fi and a laptop. Um, it, it doesn't affect our work at all. You know, we, even here, we do a lot of our work, um, poolside here in Arizona, we got palm trees and, and we just sit by the pool and do our work and do our client work. Yeah. To, to us, it's no different to be working, doing clients next to a pool here in Arizona versus being in Europe or being in Japan or something crazy like that. So that's kind of our plan. Uh, and we won't be gone the whole time. We're going to be coming back to the U.S. pretty much every other month. It looks like um, we got to check in on Daisy, who's going to be staying with my parents and also her biological parents, which is pretty cool. So Daisy's going to love it, but uh, she's going to have other dogs to play with. Um, but yeah, we're going to be doing that, kind of going back and forth. Uh, we got summer shredding in October, so we're going to be in the U.S. for that, obviously. We might even spend upwards of four weeks in Houston, just chilling with everyone, um, being very, very present there the whole time. And then, yeah, kind of go back out. So it, it, for sure, for sure, our plans are for September, we're going to be going to the UK and a few other areas in kind of like Western Europe for the, the entire month of September. Then we're going to be coming back here for October, got summer shredding in Houston, all that great stuff. And then it looks like November, we don't for sure have plans, but that's when we might go to Bali for a month. And then we have some more plans in December. We're going to be going on a cruise, things like that. Um, and then, yeah, it's kind of up in the air from there. I really, really, really wanted to go to Japan in September. I've been wanting to climb Mount Fuji for a very long time now. And uh, partially because if you've read the book Shoe Dog, which if you know me, if you've listened to these podcasts, uh, you know that I love that book. Shoe Dog by Phil Knight is potentially my favorite book ever. I've read it twice now. And uh, if you don't know, Phil Knight is the creator of Nike. And during his whole kind of process, when he was like 24, 25, he went on this big world adventure where he traveled the world. And the first place he went to really was Japan. And he climbed to the top of Mount Fuji, which in kind of like Shinto belief systems and, and I guess like old school, ancient Japanese culture, Mount Fuji has always been this symbol um, and it's almost like a spiritual thing that they do when they climb to the top of it. At the top, there's Tory gates that you walk through, and it's supposed to kind of like change you in a sense. And um, Phil Knight did that. He climbed to the top of Mount Fuji. And ever since I read that book back in, I think, 2016, I've just, maybe 2017, I've just been obsessed with the idea of doing that same thing because I'm just totally like that. So that was my huge goal. Um, unfortunately, Japan is still closed due to a certain virus. Maybe you guys have heard of it. And uh, it, it's frustrating because the rest of the world is pretty much open except for Japan <laughs> and, and China. But uh, it, it's frustrating. And the thing with Mount Fuji is the season actually ends in September. So even if it ended up opening October, November, wouldn't be able to do it. And it doesn't open back up until July. So we kind of gave up on waiting because we're like five weeks out now. So we just figured we're, we just kind of out of luck. Uh, so maybe next year I'll be able to fulfill that dream. Stay tuned. But in the meantime, we are going to go to the UK and Europe in September. Um, some of you don't know, I actually lived in the UK specifically like England and, and also Wales. I lived in England for about 18 months. I lived in Wales for about six months, but I altogether I lived there continuously for two years um when i was 18 and so i have a, a very i don't know I, I love england i love wales i love just great britain as a whole it's a very big part of my heart <laughs> and i feel like that's where i've done the most self-development i've ever done in my entire life 
And now I get to take Maddie there to kind of show her around and show her why I love it and why it's such a big part of my life. So I'm very excited to do that. But ultimately, I, I just I love travel. And, and, and maybe we'll do another podcast about this, more about travel, places I have been, places I want to go, places we're gonna for sure go. Uh, so make sure you DM me on Instagram if that is something you would like to hear more about, more like traveling and things like that. Um, because to me, it is a big deal when it comes to self-development. It's very hard for you to grow if you, for instance, just lived in your whole town, your, your hometown your entire life. Um, there's, there's a certain kind of bubble that you're put in where everyone thinks the same way, does the same things, and you get trapped in that bubble. There's no new energy, no new stimulus that is, is I guess, or, or working on you to change in any sort of way. Um, you kind of just get stuck in your ways in a sense. And as soon as you travel, you start to open up your mind a lot more um, to how other people live, how other people think, why do they think that way? Why are they the way that they are? And it, it's just an incredible thing. It's very hard to explain, but you could learn more in a month in Europe than you ever could in, in a four-year college. And I truly believe that. I actually did. I visited Paris, Germany, and a couple other places for literally a week uh, while I was in college. And I was like, wow, I learned more here than I have in college <laughs> for four years. And it, it is crazy. But I love travel for that reason. I love the world. I love people. I love humanity. And I love just getting to learn more and more about that stuff. So I am very excited. If you guys want to follow the journey along, I am going to keep my, obviously my, my main account, my Brady Oak Fitness account on Instagram. I'm going to keep pretty focused on fitness, working out at different gyms around Europe uh, and things like that. But actually, Maddie and I are going to start a travel page where we talk about just traveling and our experiences. And it is kind of like a couple's travel page. It's called The Oak Fam on Instagram. So give us a follow. I actually, I've told a few people that we're going to start traveling more. And it's so funny because I think three different people, the first thing they said was, oh, are you not coaching anymore? And I'm like, what? <laughs> yeah, I'm still coaching. What do you mean? I, I work from my laptop. I can do that anywhere. Uh, I, I think, I don't know. I think just people assume that, I don't know, maybe because we're traveling that we cannot do anything else. So I, I don't really know, but it's going to be a fun time. And just because, you know, we're starting a travel Instagram does not mean that Suddenly, I'm, I'm not a bodybuilder and I'm not into fitness anymore. In fact, I'm going to prove that you can be a high-level bodybuilder while you're traveling the world. So it's going to be a fun one. But um, that's what's going on, guys. September 4th is when we leave officially. So stay tuned. It's going to be a good one. Um, okay, let's start answering some of these questions on Instagram now. And I'm getting tons of notifications right now. So sorry if you hear little dings in the background. It's kind of annoying. Oh, there's one right there. Um, yeah, sorry about that. But so question number one, how much information goes into peaking an athlete properly? Uh, a decent amount. I, I think you have to have a coach's eye when it comes to this. And you're not going to get that coach's eye from reading any sort of book. Uh, that can definitely give you a foundation from, you know, what you're looking for. I have read books about show prep before I've done quite a bit of research on the subject. I also obviously have my degree in exercise physiology. So I feel like I understand the human body pretty well compared to uh, a lot of people out there. And for me, I'm always looking at biofeedback through that athlete's prep. It's very helpful when I've worked with an athlete for a long time. Um, for instance, sometimes this, I think the biggest struggle I have or had have had with peaking clients and this has happened a couple times where someone is like getting shredded super fast so instantly you're thinking like oh this is going to be this is going to be great and then maybe three or four weeks out um they just stop losing weight and and then you you're left with an athlete that is very lean and and shredded but not as shredded as you thought because uh, my, my my guess is that um once they get down to literally eight percent body fat in their torso then they start losing body fat everywhere else. They, you know, their body stops losing belly fat or 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 hip fat, and it goes straight to their quads. Like they start losing their quad fat and their, I don't know, calf fat and things like that. It's very frustrating because it, it becomes very hard to time someone correctly. You think like, oh, this guy's gonna for sure be shredded in four weeks, but then they don't get any leaner up top. And then when you try to peak them, 
they're not as shredded, which is frustrating too, because really when you're peaking an athlete, um, a lot of it is dictated by how shredded they are. So I've been learning more and more that sometimes you need to just keep pushing, even though it doesn't maybe appear that they need to keep pushing. Um, because there's always more fat to lose. You don't know where that fat is going to be from. So you need to be careful and, 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 you know, go over and beyond sometimes. And then if anything, at least for the second show, you know, a little bit more how their body works and what to expect. Um, so I don't know, any sort of biofeedback is super, super helpful, but also just being able to work with the client for a long time. That's always going to be a big one. Okay, I just got asked two plans for the summer. Well, I pretty much already explained that one. Uh, we're traveling, man. It's going to be a good time. I can't wait to see if uh, bodybuilders in other countries are big or not, I guess. <laughs> or maybe or maybe in England, they're all just going to be skinny. I do remember there was a lot of skinny people in England. So we'll see. Maybe I'll turn some heads or something. Okay, next question. How do you set your goals? Man, I wish I had like a... I don't know, a secret way of doing this, but I just imagine, I truly imagine where I want to be, who I, who I want to be. And I start to think of steps on how to get there. Um, I don't think that's anything too insane to think about, but that's, I think that's where I start. I also start in terms of like, like I said, who I want to be, not necessarily like what I want to do and accomplish. I mean, some of my goals are definitely like, I don't know, let's just say bench 405. Like that is obviously something that you do. But a lot of my goals are stuff about maybe being more energetic or passionate on certain uh, subjects or creating a certain habit around studying a certain topic, things like that. But it all has to do with who I want to be, who I'm trying to become, and and I try to visualize that. Um, Next question, what is your take on different diets such as the carnivore, uh, vegan, etc.? Man, this is a really hot topic right now, I feel, especially because of guys like Liver King. So let's actually talk about Liver King for a second because he is taking the world by storm right now. He's got, um, who knows, almost 2 million followers, something like that. And uh, he's just growing like crazy right now. And I like Liver King. I think he's a cool guy. I think he's a marketing genius. And I respect him a lot. As far as his claims that he makes, I will say a lot of his claims are not true. Um, and, and I, I want to be careful when I say this because in most cases, there's not just one magical way to be right. Um, there are plenty of lifestyles, plenty of diets that make people more healthy. I think the key here is if you find someone that is putting effort towards bettering their health, they are going to better their health. And a lot of times it doesn't matter how they do that. For instance, I strictly just do flexible dieting, tracking macros, stuff like that, and it works. Literally, 100% of the time, my clients will lose weight and get in better shape and and become healthier. I think you could also follow Liver King's style of doing things and become a healthier individual too uh, because it's more about the effort that goes into bettering yourself. If you try to be like Liver King, chances are you're going to be more active. You're going to exercise more. You're going to eat less calories and eat more nutritious food. That is the case with anything. I mean, you could do that in any sort of form or fashion and you will better your health. You will you will become uh, more fit, everything like that. Pro- probably reduce your body fat percentage as well. All the things that create a healthier person. Um, but just be careful to not fall in the trap of all these fads. For instance, I, I would consider Liver King what he's doing a fad. Um, there's a certain logical fallacy. It is It is called the appeal to the natural. Um, basically logical fallacy. I assume you know what that means, but like, it's something that it's a myth. It doesn't make sense. Um, people believe things that they shouldn't because it doesn't make sense to believe that certain thing. And the appeal to the natural is a logical fallacy that says just because something is natural, um, doesn't mean it's better. Uh, and and this is really true. If you were to ask, I bet 95% of the American population that if you say like, okay, these, you have these, um, I don't know, these supplements that were made in a lab, guys and girls in lab coats created these, these supplements with chemicals versus these all natural whole food organic supplements, which one is better for you? I bet you 95 to hundred percent of people would say, okay, yeah, the organic all natural whole food supplements going to be better. And then I would question why? 
I would ask why, why is it better? And they'd be like, well, it's all natural. And you would say, okay, expound upon that, please. What does that mean? And if you really like, just for a second, think about that. Why would something be better just because it's natural? I mean, seriously, why? You know what else is natural? Poison ivy, 100% natural. It's really great for you. You should you should use it to exfoliate your skin sometime. It's all natural, right? So it's really good for you. Do you know how many mushrooms or berries or different types of plants will kill you? <laughs> and they're all natural. This whole myth that if it's natural, it's automatically better for you. It's completely made up. It is a logical fallacy, the appeal to the natural. And you just got to realize like things aren't like that. If just because something was created in a lab does not mean it's inherently bad by any means. What's a chemical? Water's a chemical. Is it, are all chemicals bad for you because everything's a chemical? Water's not bad for you, but water's a chemical. We use kind of like these these uh keywords. Oh, if something has chemicals in it, it's bad. But why? Everything is dose dependent. You could say aspartame is is poisonous, but it's not really. Now, if you have an insane amount of aspartame, then yeah, it's probably bad for you. If you have an insane amount of, I don't know, freaking magic mushrooms, all natural magic mushrooms, that's not good for you either. So as soon as you remove yourself from these logical fallacies, you'll realize that what liver king is doing is not better. Just because our ancestors might have had liver does not mean that we need liver now. Um, and, and same with bone marrow. And, and the thing is too, I'm not saying those things are bad either. I mean, if it's full of nutrients, great. There's a whole lot of other things that are full of nutrients too that aren't made of raw liver and raw bone marrow. <laughs> so I all I'm saying is if you wanted to give that those things a shot, go for it. Don't for a second though think that it is some magical blueprint, um, I don't know, quick fix system. Like it, No, 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 no. None of that stuff exists. There is no such thing. Just try to be a healthy version of you in whatever way comes most natural to you. Um, yeah, I think I'm just going to leave it there because I could go on for way too long. But Lever King, you're a cool dude. Keep it up. Just like, I don't know, man. Just don't fall into the trap of thinking like he's uncovered some top secret way to cure humanity of all of our ailments. I mean, that's just not going to happen. So, yeah. Okay. Next question. Let's see. Cutting water, sodium or water loading the final days before a show. I am under the impression uh, and the belief system that water loading is better. I wouldn't even call it water loading though. I would just say being really hydrated and drinking enough water to properly store your carbohydrates that you are loading. For instance, you need water to store those carbs. So the idea, yeah, we wanna fill up our glycogen stores. We want our muscles to be as pumped and as full as possible, but guess what? You need water to do that. You can't just load carbs by themselves, they need water. So then you load water. Um, honestly, a little bit of sodium will help that process as well. Cutting water still doesn't make any sense to me because you're just gonna dehydrate your muscle as well. Uh, you can't choose to lose water just subcutaneously. You lose water everywhere. There's a ratio that your body uses for homeostasis. If you lose 30% of the water subcutaneously, you will also lose 30% of the water in your muscles. That's just how it goes. That's physiology right there. So if anything, you want to increase water. Um, if you're worried about holding water subcutaneously, I guess it might help for you to know that our body doesn't really hold water subcutaneously. <laughs> we definitely can, but when you're shredded, or I should say, if you are truly shredded, then that won't really be an issue. Uh, especially if you have a good coach, you know, for instance, I wouldn't be loading potassium before like the day before a show or on show day, I wouldn't be loading potassium. That might not be good, especially if your sodium's a little bit low. Hopefully your coach understands these things. If they don't, then you probably don't have that good of a coach. Um, but yeah, okay. I think that pretty much answers it. I load water. I don't cut water. Okay. Next up, has your religion influenced the way you train or are training? Wow. That's a good one. I would say, yeah, in all honesty, um, for instance, my belief system, uh, my philosophies, everything like that, you know, bodybuilding on the surface, it could be, it could be such like a, a vanity sport. You're trying to get shredded and look good. So people like a judge panel basically judges you as the best. You're the most shredded. You're the most muscular. It sounds like a vanity sport, but to me, it's not at all. And it honestly has nothing to do with that. Um, I'm not really interested in 
in um, showing off that much, if that makes sense. I'm not really interested in getting a ton of attention from my muscles. I, I know that might sound weird, but I really just don't really care. Um, I mean, and it can boost my confidence a little bit, but especially as I've gotten older, like really all I care about is, is winning and what the judges think. I don't really care about going to a pool party and being the most jack shredded guy there. I'm just kind of over that. Uh, but I think that's because of my religious beliefs, my philosophies behind that. It's like, I believe in giving something my all and being great at something. Um, but doing so with humility and, um, and I, I believe God has a plan for us all to be great. I really do. And I think like you, you get to choose though your path. I don't think there's this one set path for everyone. I think we get to use our free agency and, and our free choice to um, make our path and choose the direction we want to go. But I do think we are expected to give it all we got. So I use that with bodybuilding. I want to be great at bodybuilding for those reasons so that, you know, God can work through me in whatever his, his mysterious ways that need to, if I need to accomplish something in this world, then I know that I'll be able to because I put it forth the effort and uh, did my part. And then, yeah, the rest will will happen how it's supposed to, I guess. <laughs> Hopefully that answers that question. Next up, what is your philosophy surrounding ego? I feel like that's actually similar to what I was just talking about. Um, you know, I don't, I don't know if this is ego, but you definitely need to have some sort of really strong belief system in yourself and a purpose behind what you're doing. Sometimes it may seem like it's an ego, but uh, I don't think it's, it's fully an ego thing either. I mean, if you're fully ego driven, if you're a very arrogant person, uh, I think that might come from places of insecurity. Now, if you are just truly, you have a deep belief system in yourself, it could easily be seen as being egocentric or arrogant, but there's a difference. And I'll actually say Conor McGregor is one of the people I look up to a lot. Uh, on the surface, he does seem very arrogant. But the more you look into him, you realize that that's just his belief system and his own philosophies. He's someone that speaks things into existence. He uses that positive energy to help propel him forward in life. And as soon as you realize that, you realize what he's doing a little bit more. You realize, okay, maybe he's not actually that arrogant. Maybe he really does just work so hard and, and put all of his effort into speaking things into existence and believing you know, what, what is to come and that's why he's so successful. Um, then you realize maybe he's not actually that arrogant. So hopefully that helps answer that question. Um, this one's an easy one. Thoughts on CrossFit in the fitness space. I think CrossFit's cool. No problem with it at all. I think there is a myth that <laughs> you'll like get hurt if you do CrossFit. I think you'll get hurt doing anything if you're an idiot. Uh, I think CrossFit's awesome. Mad respect for them. It's not for me, at least right now in my life, but maybe someday. What's an adversity you faced outside of fitness? Um, I mean, we all face adversities, right? I think I've had to face certain adversities when it comes to choosing my beliefs and what I stand for over anything, over peer pressure, over what my friends are doing, over anything. Um, in the past, especially in high school, I had a very hard time specifically like when I was about 17 years old, I was one of the hardest years of my life because I had certain beliefs that my friends kind of thought were lame and I lost a lot of friends. Um, but that really molded me into who I am today. And once you get out of like those younger years, you realize like just none of that stuff even matters. So I made a, a lot of hard decisions back then, but it really morphed me who it morphed me into who I am today. And I'm very grateful that I stuck by my belief systems, who I am and what I uh, value in life. Um, that means a lot to me and it's given me a lot of confidence moving forward that I am a man of my word and that I have integrity to do anything. I would also say financially, I've really struggled in the past due to, um, I mean, I'm not, I shouldn't even really complain. I, I was not doing well financially for many years because I chose this route of my life. I chose to be an entrepreneur rather than go get a safe job. I knew the risks, so I'm not even really complaining. Like, I mean, when I was poor when I was making zero to a thousand bucks a month, I wasn't really complaining because I knew what I was doing and I knew that it would pay off eventually. And it did. That being said, it was still very hard. You definitely second guess yourself many times and you wonder what the heck am I doing? And, and, you know, I mean, I was married too. So I'm like 20, 
23, 24, 25 years old, 26 years old. And I'm like, all right, like when is this whole success thing going to happen again? <laughs> I'm, I'm working a lot, but not seeing too much happen. <laughs> um, so that was an adversity, but you just got to keep believing, man. Keep believing because it'll pay off. And last question I'll answer today. Share your thoughts on mental health in the world today. I mean, not to say I'm an expert whatsoever on mental health, but uh, we're we're not doing so hot right now. Um, I'm not going to be one to blame one specific thing, but a conversation I was having with Maddie recently was kind of about how we are so bombarded with so many different stimuluses in the world. You can't step outside without you know, seeing a thousand different advertisements, um, a thousand different noises, um, a thousand different, um, I don't know, voices, belief systems, everything. Just There's so much going on all the time that I think our brains are not ready for it. Um, I was in the, in the book sapiens. It talks about how we, our brains don't, our brains don't adapt as quickly as we think the brains we have now are the same brains that homo sapiens had like literally 2000 years ago, 3000 years ago. It's not a generational thing. Like our kids' brains are going to have the same brains as us. Sometimes we think like, oh, we've adapted to this new age, the the age of social media and all this stuff. It's like, no, we have brains from 3,000 years ago still. And 3,000 years ago, you knew 50 people max. Not maybe not like 3,000 years ago, maybe like four or 5,000 years ago. Uh, there was a time when homo sapiens knew 50 people max their whole life. They knew 50 people. And they lived in their family of, I don't know, maybe 5 to 15 in their little little tribe or whatever. And there was no advertisements. There was no social media. There was no getting likes on an Instagram post. No competing to gain people's attention. Um, we had different lives back then. And I'm not, I'm not like, I don't know, dissing how society has developed and grown and stuff. Because I really like society right now. It, very generalized there's a lot of things i don't like but i think the world's pretty cool right now right technology is cool but like just for a second you we got to realize like things have changed man since five thousand years ago and we're just bombarded with so much information and so much stimulus and so much likes and comments and ideas and we're just overwhelmed we are overstimulated um, and it's very easy to feel completely lost in this world and not know what your purpose is or think that your purpose needs to be something crazier or grander or whatever it is. Um, and if you're unable to find fulfillment in this life, you're going to be very sad. And some people don't know how to find that fulfillment. Back 5,000 years ago, you probably received a lot of fulfillment from being a parent and raising your kid and feeding your family that day. Um, Nowadays, if you're a parent and you put food on the table, uh, it might not be enough. You know, people are gonna are making billions of dollars, and you're not. So your life sucks, basically, right? I don't know. Uh, I'm just kind of thinking out loud now, but I think there's a whole lot of things going on right now in the world, and it's kind of up to us to just like chill out, um, have a sense of perspective on things identify what we do actually care about and then go after it. That being said, I don't, I do believe in, in I'm going to kind of close on this in my, my little, like, uh, I guess epiphany I've had recently. I do believe in trying to become great. I do believe in finding something, whatever it is and giving it your all because doing that can ground us. It can teach us very important lessons that we need to learn to receive happiness um, but I think a lot of people don't have something. They don't have something that grounds them. They are in competition for everything all day long. Um, and they're unable to really separate themselves from everything that's going on in the world and everyone else. So hopefully that makes sense, but that's definitely leading down a, a dark path when it comes to our mental health. Um, I do think fitness can help with it though. I think bodybuilding can help with it. I think having something can help with it, but yeah, we just got to be a lot more vocal about it and help each other out, really. So anyway, I'm going to close, guys, on just this little epiphany I had. And it has to do with being great because if you know me, I'll repeat myself a million times. But I do believe everyone has greatness inside of them. Uh, some people discover that greatness early on. 
Some people, it takes a long time. Some people, unfortunately, might not ever discover it, but it is my purpose to help others discover the greatness that is inside of them so they can tap into it, develop it, become happier, more fulfilled. Um, and, and we do that by taking uncommon action. Something I was thinking is how we really do have a duty. I want to use the word duty as well. We have a duty to become great. And I would even say we have a duty to make money as well because um, money is a direct correlation on the value that we're providing. Um, and, and sometimes, you know, jobs or whatever want to underpay us, want to undervalue us. So I'm not trying to say like you're, value as a human by any means is dictated by your income. But what I am saying is there is a correlation between the amount of value that you're providing and the money that you're receiving, um, which is why I like to be an entrepreneur because then I decide what that number is, not a boss. But anyway, side tangent there. Um, the more money we make and the, the better, the greater we are at something, the more impact we have and the bigger voice we have. And we cannot change the world, change society, make a difference if no one cares about us. And it's a sad truth. Um, we can definitely still become great parents, great leaders. Um, you know, there's definitely people in our lives that we can still impact. But if we want to make a bigger impact, then it is our duty to become great at something, make money. Do, do something because then we can impact more people. So this epiphany for me, it really does have to do with bodybuilding. I feel like I've chosen my path. You can choose whatever path you want. It could be art. It could be playing the banjo. It could be like Dwayne The Rock Johnson. He chose fake wrestling. Uh, it doesn't really matter. But pick something and become great at it. And, and to use Dwayne The Rock Johnson, he's done a really good job of this because I don't care about fake wrestling. I've never watched fake wrestling a day in my life. Fake wrestling makes no sense to me why you would spend any time watching it. But he decided to go be a fake wrestler and not just be a fake uh, fake wrestler, but become the best fake wrestler. And he got so good that now, you know, 250 million people follow him on Instagram. He is the highest paid Hollywood actor in the world. And his impact and influence is insane truly insane all because he became great at something it is our duty guys it is our duty to become great at something so that we can have some sort of impact so that we can make the world a better place um, so something to think about guys as i end this episode is what are you going to be great at how are you going to become great at it i'm going to choose bodybuilding i'm going to go get an ifbb pro card and we're going to go from there i'm young we got time you don't have to be great in your 20s either you got your 30s 40s 50s 60s whatever doesn't matter. Warren Buffett didn't make his first million until he was like 50. Now he's making billions. But anyway, going to end on that one, guys. Thank you so much for listening to this episode of the Tua Cast. It's been real. Uh, follow the Tua page at Take Uncommon Action on Instagram. Follow me at Brady Oak Fitness on Instagram and also on YouTube, Brady Oak Fitness. And now I get to announce follow the Oak Fam on Instagram to follow all of our little travel stuff we got going on going to be creating some pretty epic content so yeah definitely follow us there and that thing's going to get going sometime in the next four weeks basically so <laughs> can't wait guys thank you so much for listening we'll see you in the next one peace out